Hey, want to take a walk on the wild side and experience the bleeding edge of technology? Then get ready because it doesn't get much more edgy than this. You're in for a wild ride. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, the man in triple black, the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge brain. And now, here's Brian. Oh yes, the wildest ride in anarchy and technology and science and all the good stuff. I am back. That's right, triple black in the saddle, ready to go. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's actually, it was a Cowboy Troy. He had an album. He's, he's actually, he's like a black um, uh, country artist. He's a rapper. And he, he came out with an album called Black in the Saddle. Boy, I thought that... <laughs> That's the classiest name I've ever heard. And so triple black in the saddle. Here we are. Uh, (laughs) uh, Anyway, yes, I am back uh, from Texas. Uh, You will notice there might be a little bit difference of uh, sound quality. I am uh, on location, more or less, and I'm using the H4N from Zoom. And so we're going to see how this how this does. Uh, never actually reviewed the H4N. I actually, I reviewed the H1N, uh, the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy and I did that, boy, a few months back. Uh, but this is a little bit of new tech here, the H4N, and uh, we'll, we'll see how it does as far as the job goes. But Anyway, you're getting a double load this weekend, okay? You've got this, the regular episode. I know, I know you've been waiting 11 days. Well, no, maybe 13 days. I don't know. You've been waiting a few days. <laughs> to get this uh and you know it's what i have to it's what i have to do and i'm going to try and work this out because i've noticed a problem where i I think a lot of my listeners and a couple people have told me this that they only get the latest episode and so when i release you know when i do like a triple load or like i did last time i did a quadruple load uh i end up you know like like you only end up getting one of the episodes out of those four or out of the three, or out of the two, and so I've I've got to figure out how how to how to work this out. You know, I'm not sure what everybody's really using as far as their pod catching app. Of course, if you know if you have access to apps or the internet, I recommend just listening to it on SoundCloud or the SoundCloud app. Uh, that way, you can get access to the entire channel. It's really kind of the best way to go. Um, but I guess like maybe Stitcher doesn't give you the whole thing. I, I I'm not entirely certain on all of that, but. There's a lot of episodes out there. I know some people have asked, hey, you know, do you have any new episodes out? And, uh, I mean, you know, about 10, 11 days ago, I essentially had four episodes released all within a couple of days. And that was, you know, meant to hold everybody over. Uh, and so, and gotten a lot of, a lot of great reviews on those. So, but uh, I did notice on a couple of the regular episodes, cause they weren't the latest ones where, you know, where the, the normal episodes I did, episode 63 and 64, of course, this is episode 65, um, I did notice that it didn't have as many, uh, they didn't have as many downloads as the average episode of Sovereign Tech does. So if you miss those, you know, take a look back. They're out there. Grab them. Uh, and, and they were a good time, even though I had a little bit of a cold, <laughs> admittedly, uh, while I was recording those. But, uh, but I still think they, they turned out fantastic. Uh, so anyway, let's get into the rapid fire stories. And yes, d- d- don't worry. Uh, I will be, I do have a Toronto conference coming up, the Toronto Bitcoin Expo 2014, which I am super excited about. This is probably going to be the best 
uh, Bitcoin conference of the year, I, I imagine. Uh, at least it, it's shaping up to be that, and I think that's going to end up being true. Uh, so I, when I go for that, maybe I can figure out a way where I'll, I'll feel confident enough to where I can upload an episode, you know, in, in a more regular schedule. But for now, up until then, you know, you'll get your regular Saturday releases of these episodes. Uh, anyway, rapid fire stories. Let's do it. Um, this is pretty shocking and it might be, you know, it, I, let, let me explain what's going to happen here. Cause I think a lot of people are going to say that essentially Namecoin just became useless and I don't think it did. Um, the Obama administration is going to, is essentially going to stop the U S government from overseeing ICANN by the end of the year. And they're going to turn it over to some unnamed global body. Uh, ICANN, of course, is essentially the organization that's in charge of the DNS, the domain registry of the internet. And so your ability to get around on the internet, to get to various websites, etc., uh, is very much in control by the U S government. Okay. Uh, if you didn't already know that though, I'm sure my listeners did. Uh, and so ICANN is not going to be, you know, overseen by the U S government anymore. They're going to turn it over again to some global body, whatever that may be. Uh, a lot of conservative types are concerned. It's going to end up going over to the UN. Um, you know, that it's just going to go to a group that, that might actually be worse than the United States government. Uh, I don't know exactly what group could be worse than the United States government. They pretty much take the cake, uh, and have for a very long time. Uh, but in any case, you know, this is something that, that Namecoin with the dot bit domain registries that, that the Namecoin blockchain allows you, you know, allows to exist and access, um, it was, it was designed to, to fend off the fact that I can, could, you know, eliminate, uh, you know, entire domains. Uh, and so uh, some people are thinking, well, you know, if the U S government is, you know, if it's in charge, if the internet is now, if domain registries are now being controlled by, by, you know, the internet itself or by the global, uh, you know, economy or something like that, uh, that name coin doesn't become necessary anymore. I disagree because they haven't said who they're going to turn it over to. And it's always a very, very hard. I, I have a very hard time believing that the U S government or that people in power are just, are ever going to relinquish that power. I, I don't, I don't believe that that generally happens. Maybe in other countries, maybe it does. Uh, but by and large, certainly in the U.S., that just doesn't really occur. Uh, there's always some kind of twist. So we have no idea who it's getting turned over to. So frankly, you know, Namecoin we know is decentralized. Dot bits are decentralized. So it's, it's superior to any controlling body, I think, uh, you know, that, that one could choose outside of ICANN. Doesn't matter what. Uh, because they're certainly not saying if they just said they were going to decentralize and leave it open, then okay, fine. But that's not what they're saying they're going to do. So Namecoin's still important. Dot bits still incredibly important for taking the power away from the power hungry as far as control of the internet goes. So don't don't let that story make you think that oh Namecoin's useless. Uh, it's just not so. Uh, let's see what else we got. Oh, MIT has developed a 3D printed solar cell on a sheet of paper. Like literally, you could print a solar cell onto a sheet uh, onto any sheet of paper. And in fact, these solar cells are amazing. Like you can crumple them, you can fold them, and they still work. They they still, you know, get their full, you know, do the whole voltaic business. It's amazing. Uh, so, you know, there's your power revolution right there. We can take a sheet of paper. Essentially, you could go and take, uh, you know, you could go to Walmart buy that, that, that four or $5 pack 
of uh, copy paper from, you know, by Georgia Pacific and effectively print solar cells onto it with a 3D printer. Awesome. Awesome. You know, and their their power ratings are probably just going to get better and better uh, as far as, you know, what kind of charge they can actually provide. So really, really excited about that. Uh, another story. This is amazing. This is so funny because, and, and it's amazing actually how often Android is, or not Android, how often Microsoft, we're going to talk about Android in a minute, how often Microsoft is coming up during rapid fire stories. It's almost every week now. Um, but that's because they just keep making these dunce moves. Uh, but essentially Microsoft might be coming up with a Bing book. Like, you know, as like a Chromebook, but instead it's going to have a free version of Windows 8.1 on there. Uh, unbelievable. And the reason this is unbelievable is because Microsoft just got done with that crazy ad campaign saying that Chromebooks weren't real laptops. Well, then what are you doing making a Bing book? Uh, really, really asinine move on their part. Uh, I mean, it's interesting that finally, really, I mean, they're not exactly like the story that this comes from. They're not exactly making Bing books per se, but they are making a free version of Windows 8.1. And or at least that's in talks. It's not official. And what's interesting about that is that this is what like Linux and so many other companies have been chopping away at uh, at Microsoft for because Microsoft's bread and butter is the fact that it sells copies of, you know, licenses and they don't actually sell a copy of they sell licenses to Microsoft Windows. And now they're realizing that that's not a sustainable model anymore, at least in the consumer market, in the enterprise market, different story. Uh, But in the consumer market, it it just, it doesn't work. And great, good, finally, (laughs) you know, Uh, what's that line from Tron Legacy? Uh, You can't charge money for something that was designed to be free. And, (laughs) you know, that, that. That movie made plenty of stabs at Microsoft. Uh, but anyway, so this is great. Now, finally, Microsoft will be sort of the last holdout, uh, minus some, you know, minor, uh, you know, OS companies out there of a company that actually charges for its operating system. You know, Apple doesn't charge for OS X anymore. Uh, Linux doesn't charge any way you look at it. Uh, BSD doesn't charge any way you look at it. So, you know, fantastic. I thought that was great news. And then while we mentioned the Chromebooks, uh, there is apparently uh, at um, at South by Southwest, uh, the joke of a tech conference. Uh, yes, it's a joke. <laughs> you know, I put on Twitter, I post on Twitter. I said, look, if you want to go to a real tech conference, you know, just just look for some garages where there's like this odd smelling, you know, so, uh, solder smoke coming out of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's a real tech conference. That's where real innovation's happening. It's not happening at South by Southwest. And really, it's not happening at any of the big companies either, uh, because all they're really doing, they're not innovating. None of these companies are innovating anymore. They're just buying out little companies that are doing the actual innovation. And that's not innovation, you know. Uh, all the companies are doing what I, what I absolutely despise that Microsoft did, uh, has, has done for the past 30 years is, uh, you know, uh, em- embrace and embrace and expand. I, I hate that because <laughs> it just, it kills, it kills markets and it kills innovation. So anyway, um, but with Sundar Pichai, who's the head of the Chrome OS uh, department and the Android department at Google, uh, he confirmed at South by Southwest that there are no present plans uh, at all to merge 
Chrome OS and Android. A lot of people were waiting, when is this going to happen? When is it going to come together? A lot of people have had theories on it, but apparently not happening, uh, you know, as, as far as we can tell. And so one last, one last rapid fire story. And then we got it. We got a good little story to talk about here for, uh, for our main story, but one last real, this is a, this is a, a pro tip, a hot tip for you. Uh, this actually came from Lifehacker or afterhours.lifehacker.com. I love it. It's my favorite blog on the internet right now is afterhours.lifehacker.com. Did it for website of the week a little while back. And they say that undoing a bra, you know, on, on your girlfriend or, you know, partner, whatever, uh, with your left hand makes it easier because it, it's, it's designed to be un, unfastened, you know, in that direction that your left hand would allow for, you know, if, so if you're sitting in front of her, okay. And you reach around and you use, you want to, you, if you're doing the reach around the back, you want to use your left hand for that one handed, uh, unfastening. So great pro tip. Kudos to Lifehacker for for letting everybody know about that because I think there's plenty of plenty of uh, you know of lovely lovely ladies and 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 men that that you know didn't know how to go about that per per se so now you know uh, anyway let's get into our main story of the week uh, we've got this is boy this what the story I'm about to tell you about actually shut down Twitter which is remarkable to think that you could somehow crash Twitter but it happened. Um, and what this is, is about the most popular selfie of all time. Uh, and it was, you know, it was certainly like touted as it was going to be such by Ellen DeGeneres, who took it at the, uh, uh, I guess it was at the Oscars, was it? Anyway, let's read the story. It's from uh, uh, TechCrunch, which is uh, becoming quite the shockingly libertarian uh, source of news these days. Uh, but anyway, Thoreau warned us about Ellen's Oscar selfie. Thoreau, of course, being Henry David Thoreau, the uh, very famous uh, American author. Uh, he wrote Civil Disobedience, Walden, all kinds of really great books. Uh, Since the very beginnings of electronic communication, we were warned about the light speed cultural wasteland we were stringing together. When Henry David Thoreau first heard about the telegraph, he surmised, we are in great haste to construct a magnetic telegraph from Maine to Texas, but Maine and Texas, it may be, have nothing important to communicate. Now, of course, the, the telegraph is, you know, one of the first uh, real like mass forms of communication where, you know, you essentially kept, you know, you, you would, it was transmitted by wire and it was, you know, Morse code uh, effectively tap, 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 you know, that whole business. Uh, he lamented that the first thing transmitted would probably be celebrity drivel referencing Princess Mary Adelaide, a sort of 19th century Kardashian-esque gossip magnet. Perchance the first news that will leak through into the broad flapping American ear will be that Princess Adelaide was the ho- has the whooping cough. Indeed, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Tonight, on the 21st century's own character-limited uh, digital microphone, a dorkable talk show host, Ellen DeGeneres, snapped a celebrity-filled selfie at the Oscars. The selfie quickly eclipsed Barack Obama's historic re-election tweet, Currently, it's on its way to garnering nearly three times as many retweets, uh, a little over two million, as Obama's historic four more years, uh, which only had 780,000 posts, toppling Obama for the more retweeted update of all time. 
Um, so now for some math nerdiness, we can't quite say that one Ellen retweet in 2014 is equivalent to one Obama retweet in 2012. Twitter use has been growing, albeit at a pace that makes that's making investors sweat. Uh, here's their growth over the past two years. And there's a little chart showing, uh, you know, not not an exponential growth uh, at, at all. So you can go to the show notes, SovereignTech.com and check that out. Uh, but we'll go on. Twitter has approximately 30% more users since Obama's epic hug was posted. Uh, on the other hand, a large fraction of Twitter users have always been spectators or bots. Additionally, celebrity love fests are generally bipartisan, so it's a lot less risky to share. Thus, while we don't know exactly how much more popular a gaggle of sexy, of sexy celebrities are than the most powerful man in the free world, we can confidently say that there are a lot more fun to talk about mathematically speaking. As I've written about before, technology hasn't had a wonderful impact on the substantiveness of our political conversations. Presidential debates used to be deeply nuanced and many hours long. Then radio and TV came along and bludgeoned substance with a soundbite assault to the death. On the other hand, sometimes entertainment is a tempting fish hook to bring the politically disinterested into the national conversation. BuzzFeed, for instance, is on its way to becoming a media empire, betting that serious politics and mindless celebrity lists can live side by side. Indeed, BuzzFeed editor Ben Smith explained it best when he told me, I think anybody who's worked in the news business, at least since I think the Second World War, realizes that entertainment is more popular and more widely consumed than politics, he argued. I think probably more people were talking about Marilyn Mon Monroe than about Dwight Eisenhower on any given day in the 50s, too. I think that's kind of the banal truth. Uh, good word, banal, because really this whole thing is pretty banal, uh, what went down. And of course, the tweet, I mean, I think everybody's seen this picture is relatively unavoidable, even if you're not on Twitter or even if, you know, you don't frequent uh, really any social media. It was just kind of everywhere. Um, and it's a picture with, you know, widescreen shot. Uh, I see Bradley Cooper. There's Alan DeGeneres. Uh, I think that might be Meryl Streep. Uh, then there's the, the, the woman that, that doesn't impress me at all from hunger games, uh, who, I mean, she's, I, I, I feel terrible. Jennifer Lawrence, is it? I think I feel terrible. I can't remember her name, but like everything she says is just so basic and easily, uh, designed to, to get her ratings, um, that, uh, you know, it doesn't mean a whole lot to me, even though a lot of people get so excited about every, every little thing that comes out of her mouth. Uh, let's see the guy from uh, house of cards is on there. That's humorous. Uh, Kevin Spacey, right? Yeah. I I've never watched the show and I have no intention of ever doing so. Uh, and let's see, we've got Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. Uh, and it looks like the guy who believes that there are lizard people who, um, he was married to Katy Perry, uh, Russell Brand, thank you, the producer, the lovely and hyper-intelligent. Dr. Stephanie Murphy, just inform me, Russell Brand. Okay, right, the guy that, that everybody's so so hot on about his economic perspectives, but yet he believes in lizards. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, Ju Julia, Julia, you know, lizard people. Uh, Julia Roberts is also in the shot. So, yeah, it's quite a star-studded shot, no doubt about it, and I can see why it would be considered the greatest selfie of all time. Um, but it's, it's amazing, really, that Thoreau, who in a lot of ways, I think, quote unquote, predicted a lot of things, but he didn't actually, but this is the point is he didn't actually predict anything, right? It's just that things haven't changed. Things are the same. 
And I think this is a great point to bring up is that, you know, a lot of people, I, I hear so many people and people, a lot of people I respect really even who make this claim that, you know, oh, the technology's changing us. So everything's changing, you know, the, everything's going so fast. And I agree. The world is definitely moving faster. Certainly things are going faster in some ways. That's good. Some ways that's bad. Like in Bitcoin. Okay. Payments are happening faster. Awesome. Uh, you know, money, money is getting where it needs to go faster and without any bureaucracy. Awesome. Okay. So, you know, there's good and bad. Um, the bad being something like the selfie that really like that should not be taking down Twitter at all. Uh, you know, <laughs> it shouldn't, it really, it, it shouldn't even, it shouldn't even matter. Uh, and, and please, I, I engage in a, in a degree of celebrity worship, you know, myself, uh, from time to time. I mean, clearly whenever you listen to pick of the week, uh, there's plenty of times where I, you know, I talk about tremendous performances by people. Uh, I don't really see anybody here that, that, that offers up, you know, a whole lot of tremendous performances. I like, I mean, Bradley Cooper was good in, uh, in limitless. Right. So, but anyway, the, the point I want to get across, the point I want to discuss is that things really aren't changing that much. I mean, now technology may be affecting us medically in, in certain ways. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, or I mean, it's not okay, but I mean like that, that's a fact that's understandable. Okay. But as far as like our attitudes, I really do wonder if, if that many things are actually changing. Okay. Yes. We're in Panopticon. Yes. The NSA is seeing everything we do. Uh, certainly that's not a new dream. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a dream that, that people have wanted for a while. You watch a movie like Fritz Lang's Metropolis and you can see that, uh, in fact, I recommend watching that movie, uh, uh pretty, pretty creepy stuff, uh, albeit a science fiction classic. Um, but yeah, the things haven't changed. I mean, like this whole celebrity dim. I mean, even, you know, he talked about what princess Adelaide, she, or Adelaide, she was essentially the Kim Kardashian of her time, you know, and, 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 and that is about what I think the telegraph might've been used for was to just spread around a bunch of bullshit, you know? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, and, and for people to talk about, like it said, the most banal and i know that word should be pronounced banal okay but i like banal a lot better and i mean they're just they're they're spreading around the most banal stuff in the world like you take twitter you know what twitter's done twitter has brought has toppled governments in a very real sense okay uh you know you think about arab spring um you think about all kinds of things i mean tremendous ideas have been spread through through twitter yet what gets what takes down twitter not these incredible ideas that get spread, not these, you know, uh, amazing revolutions happening around the world, but a bunch of asshats showing themselves in a picture at, at, at a really a circle jerk, that being the Oscars. Um, you know, how, how kind of depressing is that I, I, I got to admit it, it is, it is a little depressing that this is what people, you know, it, it's very much you know, Rome is falling, give the people their bread and circuses, right? And that's a shame. You know, that, that's, that, that, that's a real shame that, that that's how this is going down. In fact, Ayn Rand predicted this too, where in Atlas Shrugged, she talked about how people were just like, when everything was going, you know, to hell in a handbasket, people were running to the films, running to the movies to just escape from all of it. So maybe that means that the present way that things are, that being with governments, is falling away. And you know what? That's actually not a bad thing. 
that's a hopeful message. Maybe things are changing. I'll be back with more. wasn't enough for you. Then we heard it. The sound of something terrible being born. This is madness. Station 3 to Commander Ivanova. Centauri have launched a full-scale assault. Time is coming on! It's our turn now! Two million tons of spinning metal, all alone in the night. A world where empires rise and fall. Where dreams are born and die. Where war and hatred are challenged by love and faith. In the third age of mankind, an age plagued by an evil empire that seeks to destroy humanity. It is our last, best hope for peace, for victory, for freedom. It is Babylon 5. Babylon 5 is available for download on your favorite torrent site. See it now to experience the greatest show in television history. Babylon 5. Tech Roulette. Want to play? Oh, it is time for Tech Roulette, and yes, I want to play. Of course, Tech Roulette is where you can submit stories to me, and I got, boy, I got plenty of them, and I pretty much, I go, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. please keep them coming. Uh, always new stories, you know, to get to. If I don't get to the story that you send me, I do apologize, but, uh, you know, Sovereign Tech is a pretty special thing. It's generally only once a week, and I like to keep it special. Uh, like I said, I've talked about where, yeah, I could do Sovereign Tech more, Um you know, uh, like I could do a couple episodes a week. Uh, that becomes a popular format, it seems, for a lot of podcasts. Uh, but I haven't really had, you know, I, I, I haven't noticed a demand for that, for people to say they want a lot more Sovereign Tech. So until that demand arises, we'll just keep it special at once a week. But before I get into this week's, and this is a pretty disturbing uh, tech roulette that we've got. Uh, before I get into it, I do want to make, I just, I want to add a little coda to uh to the, the last segment about how things haven't really changed, you know, and it's something that kind of struck me is that really Facebook is no different than the newspaper and the comments section is no different than the Dear Abby or the, you know, the editorial segment inside the newspaper where people from around town would write in on, you know, and say how they feel about a story. Things have not changed. You know, I mean, they, they, they really haven't the speed at which these things happen. Sure. That's changed. Uh, you know, and maybe there is again, some medical effect, uh, with a lot of this stuff, you know, with wireless transmissions being all around us, all this business, uh, maybe that's true, but by and large human nature, it's pretty much stayed the same. Um, so, but hopefully the system, as we know it, the, the domination culture, as we know it is something that's falling away. Uh, and maybe that's maybe the, the, the insane love for politicians and for celebrities is proof that that time is coming, uh, because it's, it's sort of how it works. It happened that way in Rome, it did, you know, and, and maybe it's happening here now. Uh, but that's not a bad thing. It's not a scary thing. Okay. Because we amazingly, thanks to the internet and, and many other technologies, we have a system in place ready to take over if that happens, you know, or ready, ready to fill in the gaps that, uh, you know, that, that, that politicians, uh, provided or, you know, terribly provided <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of something within domination culture that really just needs to go away. I, this, this, uh, tech roulette is going to be about prisons. And some genius researchers at Oxford University have, uh, and this story comes from uh, Mail Online, um, and it's they've come up with a way, essentially, to 
make make prisoners experience their their sentence longer. Um, and, and I'm going to go ahead and start reading here. Uh, could we condemn criminals to suffer for hundreds of years? Biotechnology could let us extend convicts lives indefinitely. And that's in quotes. Uh, here's the bullet points. Of course, the daily mail is good for the, uh, you know, those with the attention, um, difficulties. Uh, this is the scenario being explored by researchers at Oxford university. They claim life extension tech could mean prisoners serve longer sentences. Uh, philosopher, Dr. Rebecca Roach also writes in her blog that a time distortion pill could make people feel like they were in prison longer. Another scenario the group looked at was uploading mind to a digital realm. Uh, running it a million times faster than normal would enable the uploaded criminal to serve a thousand year sentence in eight and a half hours. Sentencing a criminal to a thousand years in an artificial hell may one day become a reality. I'm going to read that sentence again. This is the beginning of the story. Sentencing a criminal to a thousand years in an artificial hell may one day become a reality. At least that is the claim of scientists at Oxford University who have been exploring controversial technologies that could extend human life. They say billions are being invested in techniques that could mean the cruelest uh, criminals will be kept alive indefinitely in condition uh, befitting their crime. According to the research, prison firms could also develop drugs that make time pass slowly, making an inmate's sentence feel like an eternity. Last year, a team of scientists led by Rebecca Roach began, maybe that's Roche, I think it's Roach, uh, began exploring technologies that could keep prisoners in an artificial hell. Some crimes are so bad, they require a really long period of punishment, and a lot of people seem to get out of that punishment by dying. Oh, 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 no, death isn't good enough. We got it. No, you need to experience that hell, buddy. Uh, oh, man. Wow. What happened in her childhood? That's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, Dr. Let's see. Dr. Roach highlights what she describes as the laughably inadequate sentence of 30 years of prison for Magdalena Luchek and Muriez Krisolek who they are, the pair were convicted of murdering Luchek's four-year-old son, Daniel, who was beaten, starved, and tortured before his death. Um, I will not take away from the absolute tragedy that that is, and the abhorrent action that that is, but let's, let's read on. On her Practical Ethics blog, Dr. Roach notes that Luchek and Krizolik will receive the humane treatment that Daniel never did. They will, for example, be fed and watered, housed in clean cells, allowed access to a toilet and washing facilities, allowed out of their cells for exercise and recreation, she writes. Turning to human engineering as, a po as possible solutions, Dr. Roach looks at the idea of lifespan enhancements so that a life sentence in prison could last hundreds of years. Dr. Aubrey de Grey, co-founder of the Anti-Aging SENS Research Foundation, believes that the first person to live to a thousand years has already been born, she said. The benefits of, of course, Dr. Aubrey de Grey, actually, please don't confuse him being quoted in this as his work having anything related to this. He does amazing work, has a great book called uh, Ending Aging, I believe. Uh, just a, a phenomenal, uh, you know, uh, scientist who really has had quite the path to go on. Anyway, um, the benefits of 
of such radical lifespan enhancement are obvious, but it could also be harnessed to increase the severity of punishments. As well as extending life, Dr. Roach noted that there are a number of psychoactive drugs that distort people's sense of time. She said that society might not be far off developing a pill that could make someone feel like they were serving a 1,000-year sentence. Of course, there is a widely held view that any amount of tinkering with a person's brain is unacceptably invasive, she said. But you might not need to interfere with the brain directly. Uh, I agree with that statement, that... It is unacceptably invasive to to interfere with anyone's you know brain patterns the way they're talking about. Time distortion, for instance, for instance, is already a technique used in interrogation where people are exposed to constant light or unusual light changes so that they can't tell what time of day it is. Another scenario being explored by the group is uploading the criminal's mind to a digital realm to speed up the 1,000-year sentence as the technology required to scan and map human brain processes uh, improves. Some people believe it will one day be possible to upload human minds onto computers, Dr. Roach said. This means that the sufficient computer power, it would be possible to speed up the rate at which an uploaded mind runs. Similarly, uploading the mind of a convicted criminal and running it a million times faster than normal would enable the uploaded criminal to serve a thousand year sentence in eight and a half hours. This would obviously be much cheaper for the taxpayer than extending criminals lifespans to enable them to serve thousand years in real time said Dr. Roach. If these technologies are developed, one crime that could never justify eternal punishment was something that would endanger mankind. Or one crime that, one crime that could ever justify eternal uh, imprisonment was something that could endanger mankind. Suppose there was some physics experiment that stood a decent chance of generating a black hole that could destroy the planet and all future generations, said Dr. Roach. If someone deliberately set up an experiment like that, I could see that being the kind of super crime that would justify an eternal sentence. And I'm guessing Dr. Roach is somehow referencing maybe, uh, you know, the, the, the super collider in Europe that supposedly, you know, had the potential to open up a black hole and suck all of reality into it. Um, whatever, you know, if everything gets sucked into a black hole, how exactly are you going, how are you going to imprison somebody or, you know, give them some kind of like eternal, uh, sentence, uh, you know, imprisoned. Um, this is terrifying. This is absolutely terrifying. I feel so bad for Dr. Roach. I don't know what exactly happened to her in her life that she feels that this is necessary, but this is a, in my opinion, Doing this, researching things for these purposes that she's talking about is a far greater crime than maybe anyone could possibly commit. I've got a better idea. You know, in I think it's in uh, in Sweden or maybe it's Switzerland. They're closing down prisons. They're shutting down federal prisons in these countries. How is that happening? What's going on? How is it possible that they can, instead of the prison population growing, they're actually shutting it down? Well, I'll tell you how it's happening. It's because they're working on actual rehabilitation courses. They're studying restorative justice, restitution. Instead of just imprisoning people, they're decriminalizing things. Imagine that. How insulting is it to every other country in the world, the United States in particular, 
that there's countries where prisons are having to be shut down because there's nobody to put in them. In these countries, take your pictures, get your video cameras out there, use your, you know, use your, uh, use your quantum hand or, you know, your prism technology to look at all the cameras inside these countries. And holy shit, people aren't offing each other in record numbers, but they're shutting down prisons. This is so disturbing. What exactly are people expecting? If you put somebody through, literally through, like, for them to experience a thousand years of some kind of hell, and boy, if you can adjust, if you can adjust the, you know, the time frame that they experience, can you adjust the environment that they experience? And what are they going to do then? Are we going to literally put them through a hell, you know, like in some kind of fiery furnace or something? What the fuck is wrong with you people? That you want to subject other human beings to that? This, oh, this is twisted shit. Twisted. I understand a need for justice. This isn't justice. Okay? This is not justice. Putting people through this kind of crap, it's not going to serve the people that actually need to be restored from whatever crime occurred. And there's absolutely no understanding being given to why exactly, you know, she brought up this, this atrocious case where a four-year-old was starved and, and killed. You know, what, what brought all that on? How about we explore those issues of what pushes a person to where that they think that's okay? Creating longer prison sentences, creating more terrifying prison environments, all this stuff, that's not going to solve any of this. Because if we're just doing, if we're not committing crimes because we're scared to death that we're going to get subjected to a thousand years of prison, we're a fucked up species that needs to go away. This woman's insane. She's literally insane. Nobody contemplates that. What? Nobody thinks about the fact that, wait a minute, we're basing everybody doing good. We're basing all of our society on the fact that you could get punished. That you're going to be a good boy because you could get a thousand years in perhaps some form of literal hell. Oh, that's twisted. I know I keep repeating it, but but the point's got to sink in. And I and I'm terrified with a lot of these a lot of these things because uh, there's other people doing similar. There's there's researchers at other universities. I think out of Arizona, uh, there's researchers who are studying how to make you know humans more peaceful and more docile. You know, they want to actually rewire the brain to somehow create that effect. You don't have to rewire anything. You just have to look at what the root causes these things of the of what these things are in society. Government funds that research. Yeah, government funds. Yeah, the the lovely and hyper intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy just said the government funds that research. Hell yes, the government I'm sure is very very interested in what's being done at Oxford University. Imagine what the what else this stuff would get used for? Torture. Oh, they'd love that. You know, get some quote-unquote, and emphasis on the quotes, terrorist, 
No, yeah. Oh, no, no. We didn't do waterboarding. We just injected him. You know, we just gave him this pill that essentially put him through the seven levels of hell. Oh, well, he didn't really get hurt then. Are you kidding? Ooh. Terrifying. You know, I'm all for the the technology of uploading our brains, you know, so that we can have some degree of immortality, things like that. Uh, that you know that 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 intrigues me. Okay, but this toying with the brain to somehow get the desired results, not from individuals, but from a populace or from a government, you know, through some kind of you know uh, 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 back backwards democratic process. I uh, know that that is that is absolutely frightening to me. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll share, I'll share, I'll share a, a quick story. You know, um, speaking of, of raising kids, uh, I, I raised three kids myself. Uh, they they were not biologically mine. Um, but I, I raised, I raised three children, um, from very young, you know, into, into pretty much adulthood or at least, you know, teenage years. And, and you know what? I was a, I was a terrible, absolutely terrible parent, and in fact, I spanked those children at times. And I accept full responsibility for when they react violently to a situation that I taught them that that that's my doing. And we need to consider that, that maybe instead of looking for pills to solve all of our problems, maybe we need to take a good long look at ourselves and how we raise children, how we interact with our friends and how we treat other human beings by and large, you know, what we consider acceptable ways to interact with other human beings maybe that's what needs to be looked looked at maybe that's what needs to be researched because maybe then one day no one will ever see violence as acceptable and the idea of prison the idea of punishment will go the way of the dodo it'll be just as extinct and archaic and as antiquated as government has proved itself to be it's things like marriage, I think, are all these crazy institutions that have been around, that have been with us since the Neolithic. Okay, they can all just fade away if we just look at ourselves and stop trying to fix everything because we're not broken. Okay, we just gotta take a look at ourselves. We don't need pills to solve every goddamn problem we have, and we certainly don't need pills to inflict more punishment on someone who might just need understanding. You know, real quick, I'm just going to make one last comment. Real quick, you know, most crimes, even the most violent crimes, they only occur once. They're crimes of passion. And the person would never do it again 99.999% of the time. And you're going to give them a thousand years? Oh, I don't even want Hitler to go through that. Time now for 90 Seconds on Sex with Dr. Paul. When you're doing the drive through at McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken, or Jack in the Box, 
The last thing you're probably thinking about is whether Ronald McDonald, Colonel Sanders, or Jack might be messing with your lovemaking. But researchers are finding an association between obesity and erectile dysfunction in men who are as young as 20 years of age. And if you really want to make things bad for yourself, pull out a pack of cigarettes while you're asking the drive through attendant to supersize you. While being overweight isn't causing a huge demand for Viagra in men under 30, researchers are finding that young men who are overweight are having more erection-related issues than guys who aren't. But there is good news if you've decided you're going to take weight off. You don't have to be the biggest loser to see erection-related improvement. Just losing 5 to 10% of your body weight can make a substantial improvement in erectile dysfunction. It can also result in a significant increase in your body's level of testosterone, which can be a good thing. However, researchers are suggesting that how you lose the weight might make even more of a difference. They suspect that diet, combined with an increase in exercise activity, could have a more positive effect on the future of your erections than if you lost the same amount of weight by eating less but without exercising. For more, visit 90secondsonsex.com. Software of the Week. It is time for Software of the Week, where I cover a piece of software that I consider useful. Sometimes it's something terrible. I try not to do that too much, unless I really, I think it's something that people just need to look out for. um, Or be careful, you know, that they even use it. Uh, This week... I actually, I've got a, I've got a really, really interesting one. Now I've mentioned before that really the, the Snowden revelations along with the many other things are bringing on a crypto economy. Okay. And I don't just mean Bitcoin. I mean, in general, there is a desire, uh, people want, you know, uh, apps, software devices, whatever that ensure their privacy. And so this is becoming pretty popular. Uh, I talked about, um, I talked about one a little while back called Wicker, which was being done by, uh, by a, a slew of great names, Nico Cell, uh, Corey Doctorow, just to name a couple of them. Um, and it's, it's a great app. Wicker is, it's W-I-C-K-R, really, really great. But there's one that I'm a, I might be a little more interested in, and these are just going to keep popping up. So, you know, we're going to have to keep, you know, pay close attention to which one everybody wants to use. Hopefully one day there will be a, uh, a, a standard that, uh, that we will go by. Sorry, I, I just got a little distracted. Um, and this one, though, this app I am really intrigued by because you might have heard me before say that don't follow the money, follow the attitude when it comes to when you're looking into the origins of something, okay? Um, I give it the example of like Tor. Tor is run by an anarchist. Pretty safe bet to use that. Google. Google is run by, uh, you know, by a fascist, um, that being Larry Page. Probably don't want to trust them a whole lot. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, this is called Telegram, which is funny because we were earlier just talking about the Telegram or the Telegraph, uh, how that, um, you know, how that that changed the world. And maybe Telegram, the the app for iPhone and Android, and there's some unofficial ports. There's like a web based version of this, as well as there's one for for Chrome, thus Chrome OS. Uh, this is really great. It, it's being done by the same guys that came up with VK. They're Russian, uh, Nikolai and Pavel Durov, and 
pretty much does everything I mentioned that Wicker does. It has video, it has uh, you know audio messaging, it has pictures. You can set a timer on when those self destruct. Uh, you know, it has text messaging essentially. Doesn't integrate with your text messenger. It does require a phone number to use. That's something that may turn people off a little bit. Uh, but you know, it, it can integrate with your contacts if you want it to. Doesn't have to. Uh, but you can use it on pretty much any system you've got. Really, really handy. The only thing you need to log in, I think, is a phone number, uh, and you may not even need that. So, anyway, the, the the beauty. Oh, there's there's something else this does too. It actually allows you to transfer. This is kind of like what Skype allows for. It allows you to transfer one gigabyte files. Uh, that's amazing. And it also uh, Telegram has end to end encryption. If you just send it, you can, there's like an option to send a, you know, create a secret message and that will do actually device, you know, end to end device to device encryption. So you have to, you would have to be using, even if you had it on Chrome and you had it on your Android phone, you'd have to say you sent the message from your Android phone. You'd have to look at it from your Android Android phone, even though you're using the same account on multiple devices. Uh, but it, it allows for that. Otherwise the encryption, you know, there, there is an encryption that happens at the server. Okay, and here's the thing, Pavel, a lot of people don't know about Pavel Durov in the West, okay, but he is an anarcho-capitalist. He is one of the richest men in the world, all right? He wears triple black. He's the whole thing. He hates government. He actually specifically designed Telegram, the app, to thwart Russian security agencies and thus security agencies all around the world. This is a very popular app, especially in Europe uh, and, you know, pretty much any all around the world. Um, other than the U.S., of course, because, well, it's the U.S. Uh, so check this out, because that's the thing. This is the guy's attitude. He created this. He is not, there will never be ads. This is not ad funded. He created this specifically in mind to help bring on anarchy, to help bring on a governmentless society. Uh, that is so exciting. And look into Pavel Durov if you haven't. Uh, definitely a lot of scandal around a guy like that, but when you're a person, you know, of means, that that often, believe me, that happens. Okay, but uh, but yeah, just just incredible, you know, and and it, it really simple, really slick little app. Uh, I use it, uh, you know, or at least I've started using it since I've heard about it. It's been around for a couple of years now, though, or at least a year. Anyway, check it out. Telegram, really really slick stuff, and hey, it's run by an anarchist. Go go go. From Big Finish Productions, Blake 7, the classic audio adventures. I'm taking Liberator in on manual. We'll be in teleport range in two minutes. What the hell was that? Information. Liberator has been attacked. You don't say. Put up the force wall. Confirm. Message to all ground commanders. Initiate the final phase. Let's crush these rebels once and for all. My name is Avon. Kerr-Avon. Kerr-Avon. Our hostage arrives, which you may be unnecessary. As a hostage, it's nice to be superfluous. You can go to Blake7.com to find more of the new adventures of one of science fiction's greatest masterpieces. Blake7 at Blake7.com. time for listener emails where i cover the emails that get 
sent in to me through the various sources available, SovereignTech at RiseUp.net. That is, of course, the email address. Uh, you can DM me on Twitter or ask me a question on Twitter. Uh, you can even get it. If you happen to be a Facebook friend, you can get in touch with me that way. Um, you know, take your pick. I also, I did post my link uh, on, on SovereignTech.com. I did post a link to Google Plus again. Uh, I really, I generally, I post very, very few things um, on Google Plus. I do, I post every bit of audio work that I do. In fact, wow, like I was looking at Google Plus the other day and it's just, holy shit, how much, how much audio work am I doing in a week now? Uh, because it's not my primary job. I mean, my, my primary job, of course, I'm, I'm an ad exec for, uh, for free talk live. Um, but anyway, that's usually what I post on Google plus though. I will post full. I did post uh, something special the other day, actually full circle. Uh, we, we talked earlier about the, you know, the most, the, 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 the greatest selfie of all time with Ellen DeGeneres and, and, and that group of clowns. Um, and I posted, uh, a, an animated GIF of that, where it actually, it's them taking the picture, and then for a minute it flickers to show like alien faces underneath them from uh, from from They Live, the the Roddy Piper movie that that's just an absolute uh, the John Carpenter classic, really uh, great movie if you've never seen it has a, has a lot to say about society. Uh, but anyway, uh, so you know you can you can get in touch with me that way too if you really want to. Um, and I got a lot of questions about. Uh, a lot of people ask me, hey, what do you think about the whole Facebook thing where, uh, you know, where essentially the NSA is impersonating Facebook? Uh, I pretty much I address that. I Speaking of the other audio work I do, I do a show now with uh, the lovely and hyper intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Uh, I do Sex and Science Hour and it's on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. You can go to the Let's Talk Bitcoin SoundCloud page and you can find it there. Uh, it's, it's a, a show that's a lot of fun, gotten a lot of great response from it. I'm really, really happy. And actually it gets way more downloads than sovereign, sovereign tech could ever dream of having, uh, which is kind of odd to me, actually R- real quick. I'll, I'll say this. Um, it's kind of odd to me because like, I feel f- f- to be on the let's talk Bitcoin network, we, we kind of keep it, you know, we don't go too in depth, the stories are covered pretty fast and we don't, we don't go a whole lot of depth, a whole lot of revolutionary thought, you know, or evolutionary thought, uh, as we're a sovereign tech, I like to think there's just, you know, original thought just oozing out of it every week. Uh, I like to think that, you know, if, if that's not true, please don't hesitate to let me know. Um, and so like, <laughs> like there's a part of me that's almost insulted. It's like, wait a minute, why does this get 5,000 download? Why does sex and science hour get 5,000 downloads a week? And I only get a thousand, you know, a little over a thousand. Um, but whatever, I'm glad it's getting out there. In fact, last episode we did, we did a, a, a great, uh, kind of introduction. We got an email from somebody in Europe and we did a great introduction into really the ideas of, of anarchism and, and, and it turned, it ended up, I thought being really succinct and, and nice. So give that a listen if you haven't. Um, but anyway, also in that episode, I addressed a couple of the listener emails that I've gotten as in with Facebook, you know, what's the deal with Facebook getting in, impersonated by the NSA? Uh, well, interestingly enough, you know, I, you can listen to that show to get my answer to that, but I will add in that, uh, I was amazed that, uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg instantly called President Obama and pretty much said, what are you doing? You know, what exactly is going on here? Why is my, why are you impersonating my network and giving all of my users malware and all that, which is the exact thing. If you remember a few episodes, quite a few episodes back of sovereign tech that I said, Google should have done Google when, when they found, when Google found out that the NSA had hard sliced into their, into their servers, 
Larry Page should have hopped on a plane, went to Washington, or at least got on the phone and said, hey, Obama, what the fuck is wrong with you? What are you doing? We, you know, we're not hurting anybody here. Why, why are you doing this to us? And he didn't. He just let it slide. As to where, you know, Zuck, amazingly, you know, little Jewish boy, he, he, he went, he did some yelling. Did it do any good? No. Uh, and is it humorous that, that Facebook is caring about privacy? Yes, this is ridiculous. Okay, but at least there was a CEO that kind of did something about it. Uh, so anyway, of course, what is the answer to, to Facebook is, frankly, just stop using it. Uh, that, that's the only answer to that entire problem um, is to just stop using it. Um, anyway, uh, another question I got about was was about Dorian. Uh, was it Dorian Satoshi Nakamoto? Who is he, the real Satoshi Nakamoto? Uh, already addressed that in the Sex and Science Hour, did a great job of addressing it. So you can listen to that to find out my answers to that. So the listener email of the, of the week, the actual listener email this week is a great question uh, because... And, and I've, I've recently learned a lot of people are listening to Sovereign Tech now. They've heard about me through Free Talk Live. Of course, I co-host Sunday nights on Free Talk Live. And I've heard, okay, when, when, when Mark Edge goes away, uh, he, he goes to Florida a lot or he takes other trips. Maybe he has to go to some conference or something. Um, it usually it leaves Stephanie and I in charge of the of the sunday night show and what i did is you know i'm kind of a marketing guy uh that's why i do you know that's why i'm an ad exec (laughs) but i'm kind of a marketing guy and so i started calling it when mark is away i started calling the free talk live the sunday night one i started calling it the anarchist edition of free talk live because mark and ian don't like the word anarchist uh stephanie and i love the word or at least it's applicable and so you know I, I just started calling it that just to kind of give it, give it a bit of a, of an edge, you know, and, and make it a little special and everybody seems to really, really like it. And a lot of people have told me, yeah, I found sovereign tech through free talk live. And I'm so glad that's awesome. Uh, welcome to a lot of new listeners. I know I've gotten a lot of recent emails from me in the past month, uh, saying that you're new listeners. Thank you for being here. Uh, and so, uh, one of the questions I got from one of these new listeners was uh, because they started listening and they, they heard, in fact, I got, I already addressed this a couple episodes ago. I think it was episode 64, which is the last episode um, about the Sphinx. A lot of people asked me about the Egyptian Sphinx, like, okay, because I made a tease. So who built it? Because I, I, I laid out the, the you know, the, uh, a little bit of evidence. There's a lot more, but I laid out a little bit of evidence to say that the Egyptians didn't build it. They just found it much like we did, you know, uh, you know, decades, hundreds of years back when we refound it, it was buried a bunch of rubble. Well, that's how the Egyptians found it too. They didn't actually build it. And so I've already addressed that. So, you know, you can go back in the, in the sovereign tech catalog, uh, to, to find out where, you know, where I talked about that, if you want an answer to that. So he asked about that, but then he asked, you know, Hey, where, um, you know, where do you, what are good resources for alternative scientific thought? Um, and it's a great question because I bring up a lot of science, uh, stuff in the show. Again, it's a, you know, sovereign tech is a show about, uh, you know, technology, science and technology and how it can set you free. Um, and I have a lot of, they're not unique. They're not, I mean, they may, I think the, the word may be rare. I have a lot of rare scientific perspective on perspectives on things. Uh, I am an atheist. Okay. But I do have a lot of, you know, I don't like I've mentioned before on this show. I don't think the big bang is the origin of the universe. Uh, I don't think it was God either, but I don't think the big bang was the origin of the universe. Um, I suppose if you want to know what, what I do think the origin of the universe is, uh, you'll have to send me an email. 
Um, you know, but, but I do have, you know, I, I have a, a pretty good, as far as, you know, physics goes and, and some other areas, I, I've, I've got a pretty good scientific, you know, uh, database in my head. <laughs> and so, you know, I like to discuss these things as, as often as I can. Um, and so he asked, you know, where do you find like alternative, uh, scientific sources, uh, you know, of information, like say maybe, you know, a, a website or a book or something that, uh, would talk about, say alternatives to, to the big bang. Um, and I, you know, the, the, <laughs> the annoying thing is, is I don't really know. Uh, there, you know, there used to be a magazine called Omni, uh, and you can find this, there's torrents out there. There's, there's torrent files where you can actually download like every issue of Omni ever. Uh, there was a website of the week I did a while back where it talked about an Omni reboot where, with Omni, it was a magazine. It existed for a while. One of a very formative magazine for me reading it as a kid. I always borrowed a copy of my dad's, uh, and it just, it went ahead and it theorized, you know, it made sure it separated speculation from fact, but it theorized a lot of the more wild ideas that no other scientific venue, especially in the seventies, eighties and nineties would take seriously or would even give a, a microphone to essentially. Uh, so that's a good place to start, but really the, the, to get into alternative science, uh, you just, you want to start reading the things that are crazy that most people laugh off. Okay. Uh, you want to start reading. Okay. Like, like I say all the time, I don't believe aliens have ever come into our solar system. I don't believe aliens have anything to do with our growth on planet earth. Okay. I do not believe in the ancient astronaut theory. Um, but that said, ancient astronaut theorists have a lot of great information to share. They have done a lot of great research that other people completely ignore because they accept the standard, you know, the standard lines. They accept the party lines. And so reading their books, in my opinion, is a great way to get started in you know, in critical thinking about scientific matters. Okay. Um, Zachariah Sitchin, his work is tremendous and there's still big questions that he answered that a lot of people can't figure out how did he answer it before mainstream science did. Uh, for example, um, you know, like the fact that, that, Plut that Neptune is blue, um, that, uh, Let's see. What, what are some other good ones? Uh, the, the idea of the gold flake theory the, you know, to, to save the atmosphere. Uh, he, you know, he claims to have gotten this all from ancient Sumerian texts. It's very interesting. And, uh, and because later on they became scientific fact, you know, Cass Sustine talked about, okay, well, one way we can stop climate change is by tossing up gold flakes and which is crazy because in the sixties, that's what Sitchin was saying. The Anunnaki wanted to do. Okay. So getting into a lot of these alternative scientific theories is just being willing to read some of the crazier shit that's out there. Uh, you can read Phil Coppin's work. Uh, you could read David Hatcher Childress's work. His work is amazing. Albeit he's lost a lot of credibility because of the ancient alien show where he just, I don't, I don't know. They, they just put him on there to say some kind of crazy line and, and hopefully give it some credibility. Uh, but he, he does, this is a guy that's literally traveled the world. And he raises some really, really great questions. And that's where science starts. Science starts with questions. It, it should not start. And this is a problem, in my opinion, in modern scientific thought. 
science should not start with a theory. Science should start with a question. Okay. And then, you know, you work out, okay, well, what are the possibility? What are the possible answers to this question? And that's where theories come in. Okay. But it should start with that question. But a lot of science today starts from, this is my worldview. I need to prove it. It does not start with a question. Very, very problematic. So it's a good idea to start reading the works of people that ask those questions or that ask any questions. Uh, it's okay. I know there's a lot of people who say, oh, you know, you know, the phrase question everything, uh, that's a problem because we don't want people to think, oh, gravity doesn't exist. I'm going to question gravity and all that stuff. No, go ahead and question gravity. Just when you fall on your face, you got your answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's all right. You know, a lot of the basics will get answered very quickly. So I do agree with the statement of question everything. I know there's people who have problems with that. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but again, like I said, the basics will get answered to you very, very fast. Um, so, so that's, that's, that's really it. I, I wish, I, I wish there was a website out there that I thought, and maybe someone will email it to me after they hear this listener email segment, and then I'll run it for website of the week. I guarantee it. Uh, you know, if I think it looks like a really legit source of, uh, you know, of, of alternative scientific thought, um, but, but science, you know, science is really, it's, it's kind of a, of a mess right now. Uh, there, there's so much going on that is, you know, really, um, it's, it's really changing the way that we've accepted the world for even just a hundred years. Uh, and that's important too, because a lot of our, a lot of what we consider absolute scientific fact has only been around for a hundred years. That's an incredibly short period of time for something to be considered absolute fact. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of questions to, to, to be asked is, is, is my, my, really my whole point in, in saying that, uh, you know, even, and I, boy, I wish I could remember where I read about this and I've been trying to, to re-research this because I want to talk about green technology, uh, in upcoming episodes of sovereign tech, um, because I actually, I'm, I, I'm a supporter of environmentalism, Hear me out before you start saying, oh, you fucking commie, you socialist. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go into it now, but in a future episode, I will, I will go into that. Um, but there was the, like the, the ice age, supposedly that was a theory that was accepted with very little scientific evidence at first. And people just kind of ran with it. I'm looking into that. Okay. But that might be a place to start, you know, look into where some of these, you know, mainstream scientific theories that we have, uh, and, you know, start questioning, wait a minute, you know, they just like accepted it. Is that, that's so dark matter has the same problem. I've talked about this. Maybe it's been a long time on the show since I've talked about dark matter, but dark matter is some of the worst science in my opinion, uh, in the, you know, that we've ever come up with because dark matter is. Okay, we've got this problem. According to the Big Bang, the universe should be, you know, uh, collapsing. It shouldn't be expanding, but the universe is expanding. Okay, why is it expanding? And so the question becomes, why is it expanding? Good, they're asking the question. But then they just, they won't, <laughs> they have to figure out why is it expanding within the theory of the Big Bang? And so they're not going all the way in the question as to, okay, maybe the Big Bang isn't actually the answer. You know, maybe that's not the origin of everything. And so, you know, they, they come up with dark matter, 
which is something we can't, we have a very, very difficult time. We can't really scientifically prove it's there. You can't see it. I mean, it may as well be God, frankly, uh, the way that, that dark matter is, is described and used. Uh, it's just this catch all to somehow just throw in, you know, throw, throw a plug in the side of the boat, uh, you know, with a, with a giant hole that's leaking water into the ship of science. Uh, and so, you know, that, that, that's a problem. Okay. And, you know, why is the big bang theory where, you know, where are the, where are the questions with that? Well, you have the Methuselah star. The Methuselah star is by every scientific metric older than the universe. That's not possible. That can't be the universe is 13.4, you know, billion years old. The Methuselah star is about 14 billion years old. That can't be, but it is by our scientific metrics. Okay. So, you, you, you know, there's a lot of questions to ask about this stuff. And so that's where you start, you know, you can hit up Wikipedia, reading, wiki, reading on Wikipedia. That's the beauty of Wikipedia. This might be the best place to start, quite frankly, because Wikipedia will put the controversies at the bottom of the, of the article. And that's where real scientific research, I think, kind of, kind of happens or the real questions get started. So check that out. I hope that answer helped. I'll be back with more. Hey, Brian, what's that funny sticker over your laptop webcam? I was trying to spy on you while you were in the shower, but now I can't. See, that's why I have it. And it's from EFF.org. EFF? What's that? It's the Electronic Frontier Foundation, totally donor-funded organization that fights for internet freedom, privacy. Wow, that sounds great. So EFF.org, I support internet freedom and privacy, and maybe you do too. Yeah, and you can support them with Bitcoin. The Electronic Frontier Foundation at EFF.org. Stop playing those video games! Uh, 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 just a minute, Mom. Game Talk. It is time for Game Talk, where we talk video games. And, boy, still no sign of that, uh, that Duke Nukem RPG. Man, I, I <laughs> no, genuinely, I'm, I'm really, I'm wondering where the hell this thing is, if it was even made. I mean, they said they're going to release it on the 25th, and they can't even, like, leak a screenshot. You know, because now there's that big battle with, uh, you know, legal battle with uh, with Gearbox over it. Oh, ugly. Um, real quick story. Apparently, uh, Amazon, there was a leak of Amazon's game controller for their Android based uh, game system. And that's great because if you got a controller, you're really if there is a controller, granted, it was an ugly controller. But if there is a controller being developed, you're really generally the way you know, video game systems are designed are, you know, their development stages, the controllers like the last one. And so that means we're probably pretty close to release. Um, and of course there was news about Google. They bought out a game console company. Uh, and that apparently wasn't really new news at all. Uh, it just kind of got rediscovered that they had done it, but they actually bought it a few years ago. So anyway, the, the console wars are, are heating up. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's great because, you know, I, I'm almost expecting an oversaturation and we're going to end up with like the video game crash of 84 again, where like every company on the planet came out with their own game system and then they all crashed. And like, you know, they're ended up with, you know, millions of copies of ET getting tossed into a landfill. Right. Um, but what came out of the video game crash was the Nintendo entertainment system. You know, the, the, out of a, a Phoenix came out of the ashes. And so I'm actually pretty much looking forward to if there's another video game crash, 
Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what that Phoenix would be. Of course, it'd probably just be PC gaming, which really never died and probably never will. Uh, as much as people keep saying that it does. Anyway, uh, speaking of kind of the next generation of gaming, you know, which, which is sort of what I hinted at there. Uh, this is something I've talked about in the past, wasn't too excited about it, but then I read an article and it's the Oculus Rift, which is a, a 3D virtual headset that you can wear. Um, I read an article about this in PC Gamer last week and if it finally came up with something where I was like, well, this might not necessarily change the face of video gaming. It may still, but it actually has an implication that I think is incredibly nostalgic and cool, uh, that I'm going to talk about, but I'll, I'll start, uh, you know, I'll, I'll read a couple of these things from, from PC gamer. Uh, they talked about, they essentially tested it with Euro truck simulator two, which of course, Boy, the amount of simulator, there's a simulator game for everything now. It's, it's, it's really, really mind blowing. Uh, and, and some simulators I understand, like I understand flight simulators, uh, you know, and I, and I understand, you know, space simulators, things like that, things that you can't really readily or inexpensively do per se. Uh, but some of the, like, like Euro truck simulator, it's like, well, you know, it's actually, it's kind of easy by comparison to, to, to other kind of simulations, it's kind of easy to actually become a trucker. So, you know, if, if you like, if you so, so much enjoy trucking that you create a, uh, you know, a popular simulator game, maybe, maybe why don't you just become a trucker? You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that fact aside, um, they really, they, they put in the Oculus Rift support in, in Euro truck simulator two, And apparently it was a lot of fun to do. Uh, and, and the Oculus Rift worked really well. You could look around, you know, the cabin of, of the truck, uh, and it, it just really made for a great experience. So driving games. Yeah. I think the Oculus Rift could really be a game changer as far as driving goes. And I hadn't really thought about that because it seems like, and I fall prey to this too, that everything, you know, like that video gaming is almost entirely FPSs or RTSs or, uh, you know, uh, like, like Dota two or something. Um, and <laughs> so, you know, but that's not fair because there's a lot of games out there that are totally different. So I could see, you know, like I say, for driving simulators, I could really see Oculus Rift taking off. And for a lot of simulation games, I could see it being a big deal, uh, for first person shooters. I think it, I just don't think it'll gel, uh, for, you know, RTSs. I don't really see it necessarily working either, unless there's a drastic change in way RTSs are developed. But this is, this leads me to the other two points that PC Gamer brought up. And I thought these were fantastic. These are really changing stuff. I mean, this, this is wild. One of them is VR cinema. And I'm actually, I'm going to read from the PC Gamer article here. And of course you can read the whole thing in the show notes at SovereignTech.com. Uh, VR cinema is a virtual movie theater that allows you to watch video files imported from your PC on a remarkably convincing cinema screen. I watched a 1080p Blu-ray of the first Star Wars film, and it's one of the most impressive rift experiences I've had so far. You can wander around the theater freely or use a hologram like interface to jump between seats. The screen feels genuinely massive, especially when you walk towards it and look up. 
Cleverly, the lighting around you reacts dynamically to what's happening in the film. If a scene is dark, the theater will be plunged into, into blackness. But if there's a brighter moment, like an explosion, it will light up with the same color as the image on the screen. You can even see a projector on the back wall if you look behind you. It's like having your own personal 500-inch TV, and you don't have to worry about idiots talking through the film. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that will give Oculus Rift mainstream appeal beyond games. The idea of watching old or obscure films on the big screen that you'd otherwise never get the chance to is a powerful one, especially for cinephiles. Even with our development kit, which is a much lower resolution than the commercial Rift will be, it works incredibly well. I tried a few other films, Blade Runner, Children of Men, The Shining, and noticed that after 30 or 40 minutes of watching them, when I was sufficiently lost in the story, I completely forgot that I was looking at a virtual screen. It was like I'd fooled my brain into thinking I was actually at the cinema, which is a very strange feeling. The only problem is comfort. I have a hard time sitting through a film with 3D glasses on, never mind a plastic box strapped to my head. But get over that. And this is one of the Rift's most tantalizing showcases. And oh, hell yes. This is it. This sold me on the Rift. Uh, this, you know, the Oculus Rift, I thought was gimmicky up until this, I can totally believe what he's saying. I can totally understand that, that you can get yourself to where, you know, you can kind of fool your brain just enough to where you can almost accept it. you know, where your brain just kind of gets lost in the moment and you think you're there and man, what I would give to watch like the original Tron you know, on the big screen and I'll take the fake experience. That's okay. You know, when me growing up, kind of a funny thing, little, little, little side, little personal side story. Uh, I used to go to the theater all the time. Okay. And I actually ended up a lot, even in my later teens and in my twenties, I ended up going to the theater alone because when I'd go with a, with, with a girl, you know, she wanted to fool around and, and I know that's, that's, it's, it's hard to believe that the stallion, that the golden stallion, didn't want to get a blowjob during a movie, but I didn't. I, I actually, I wanted to watch the movie, you know, I mean, there's, there's a time for that. Like if it's second or third time I'm seeing a film or something. Okay. Yeah. Let's have some fun during the movie, you know, but when I'm catching it for that first time, I'm there for the, you know, the escapism and the experience. Okay. And so, you know, there, there's a, there's a lot of times, a lot of movies that I've gone and seen completely alone because I want that immersive experience and the Oculus Rift just sold me on it. And this may be, far bigger, far more important than the video game aspect. In fact, if I was Oculus, I would sell the shit out of this fact. I would market this to the ends of the earth because there would be, there are people, I forget what, what the pricing point or what the price point for the Oculus Rift is going to be, but I'm not kidding. I'd pay a few thousand for this experience to do that with every movie. Oh God. Oh, you're, you're going to create a market. You can't believe. Um, if I was Netflix, I would want to partner with Oculus Rift in a heartbeat or Amazon with Amazon prime. I want to partner with Oculus. I want this experience. I would want to close garden this experience as a businessman, you know, as soon as I could, this is life changing in my opinion. And that's, I mean, the, the detail that they laid out is just remarkable that like, you know, when there'd be an explosion, the walls in the, in the cinema would even light up with it and you get a good enough, you know, you, you get a retina, t retina resolution on that. Oh man, we're in for an experience. 
you know, movies are going to get experienced again, the way they were meant to be experienced. And it's true because movies are so different from television. Television knows, or at least it used to know now today it's different. Now, you know, they make television experiences as big as movie experiences because the, the platform's kind of the same. Um, but you know, television, it, what used to be different movies were, you knew that movies were being made to be experienced on a gigantic 500 inch screen. Okay. As to where TV knew it was going to be on TV. And so there was a lack of attention to detail uh, because, you know, they knew the format they were going to be on. Now that's changed because now everybody has a 60 inch television in their in their house. And so, you know, the, the television medium is as big as the movie medium. But that wasn't always true. And so anyway, so so movies were designed with so much attention to detail, with so much making the cinema experience just that a singular experience that you can only get in the cinema to be able to relive that for an incredibly inexpensive price will smoke Sony will smoke LG will smoke all these companies. This is genius. I can't say it enough. This is huge. Now there's one last bit. I'll cover a little bit of it. This one I'm not necessarily so intrigued with, but it has, does have some interesting prospects and that is reliving virtual memories. I'll read a little bit here. One of the most surprising effects of using the Rift for extended periods of time is having distinct three-dimensional memories of places that don't exist. When I think of that movie theater from VR Cinema, I don't think of it as somewhere I viewed passively on a screen. I remember it as a place. I recall its dimensions and its lighting. There's something unnatural about remembering things that didn't happen so vividly and tangibly, which makes me think of how replicants in Ridley Scott's Technoir uh, masterpiece Blade Runner were implanted with fake memories to make them believe they're human. Rift does things to the brain that it wasn't built for. And it'll be interesting to see what other sensations and effects emerge from prolonged use. Let's hope it's not slowly melting my brain. If I start ranting about hearing voices and tasting colors in this column, please alert the authorities. Jerry's Place is a Rift demo that lets you explore Jerry Seinfeld's apartment as featured in the hit 90s sitcom Seinfeld. Uh, and he goes on. You, you really, you should read this. It's an amazing article. And the implications of what Rift can do far beyond video gaming. It, this, this is this is life-changing technology. Tonight, Knight Rider, who crashes into your living room. I don't believe this. Well, you'd better believe it. A lone crusader for justice drives this crime crasher. The world's most fantastic car. And together they can do just about anything. After all, we're only human. Don't press your luck. And now, buckle up for action with the fastest show on television, Knight Rider. See Knight Rider online today. And now back to Sovereign Tech. Wow. It's a website of the week. It is time for website of the week where I cover websites that I find, you know, interesting, useful. Uh, sometimes, uh, boy, speaking of nostalgia, uh, I did uh, in, in the last quadruple load that I think some people might have missed episodes from. I think I talked about the, uh, the Radio Shack catalog. We, we, I, someone, you know, found the website where the, uh, you know, like every Radio Shack catalog ever made, you, you could go and read it. Or there was uh, the Internet Archive has, an, has every issue of Starlog magazine available on 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 the internet that is positively amazing so i i got a pretty awesome website this week and actually it, i guess it kind of 
it's it's almost an antithesis maybe to what I talked about during listener email. Um, because this is a website that, that does a great job of covering more mainstream science, uh, technology, you know, even medicine, things like that. It's really a portal for all these things, and it's called sciencex.com. Uh, it's a really, really great website. Um, I mean, what you're, you know, I don't want to say it's necessarily peer-reviewed, but I mean, this is about as extensive uh, you know, a, a coverage is a comprehensive, a coverage of, you know, science and te- technology and medical news that, that you can really get on the internet. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome. In fact, I'm going to do a double header for you. This site's actually so popular. There's even, we talked a little bit about, uh, about paying attention to like ancient astronauts, uh, theorists, you know what they do. They actually have a website called ancient X, which is kind of like, you know, they're, they're trying to be the, the science X for ancient astronaut theory. So if you want to look into that too, that, you know, there's, they're both of those. So I'm actually, I guess I'm doing a double website of the week. I'll put both of them in the show notes. Uh, but science X, I'm not going to talk anymore about ancient X because a lot of the stuff on there really is like woo woo. Uh, <laughs> but, but science X is not woo woo at all. Uh, it has really great articles, great info. Um, I've never actually, I didn't hear about it. Someone on Google plus, actually pointed out to me. I didn't know it existed before, but apparently it's been around for quite some time. Uh, but someone pointed it out to me. They thought that I had been going to it regularly, uh, and I don't. Um, I mean, like the bulk of where I actually get a lot of the stories for the show, I generally get from things about, from Gawker Media. Uh, that's like, that's really where I'm, uh, you know, I'm kind of a, a staple in that, in that uh, user space. Uh, so, but science X, you know, is an area where I need to be looking a lot more. Uh, so it's a great website. I just recently started looking into it. Uh, and I, I really, I mean, just phenomenal stories, really, really up to date stuff. Uh, and, and they do a good job of checking everything out, you know, as to where admittedly like Gawker media, you know, they, they might, they might jump the gun, you know, they, <laughs> a little bit on, on reporting something, uh, science X generally does not do that. So, and, and there's like, there's a series of sites. It's actually kind of similar to Gawker media where there's a series of sites within it. Uh, there's fizz.org, uh, medical express tech explorer, and all three of them are great websites. Um, so, so check out, check out science X, uh, if you're looking to get like a really good kind of a more mainstream look at things. Uh, you know, and, and keep abreast of stuff. Uh, and of course, like I mentioned, yeah, you can look into ancient X too, you know, <laughs> that's certainly not going to be mainstream, but, uh, <laughs> you might not get as many, uh, 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 you know, references available <laughs> on ancient X as, uh, as compared to science X. Uh, and this is good. And it's interesting because, you know, it raises the great point that, that the desire for legitimate or for, you know, well thought out, well laid out information is still, still exists on the internet. This is one of those cases where it's true and the government didn't demand it. People just wanted it. And so someone, the market fit the niche. So sciencex.com, uh, there's no dashes or anything. It's all one word, sciencex.com. And of course, go to sovereigntech.com. You can just click on the link in the show notes there. I'll be back with more. Hey, everybody, it's Stephanie. I am the Sovereign Tech producer. But did you know I am also a voiceover artist? Yes, it's true. I make audiobooks, commercials for your business. I narrate explainer videos, 
pretty much any audio project that you can think of, I'm probably willing to work on it, or I have worked on it in the past. And if you want to hear some samples of my previous work, or you want to find out a little bit more about what I do, then I encourage you to check out my voiceover website, which is smvoice.info, smvoice.info. Now back to Sovereign Tech. Hacker Stories. It is time for Hacker Stories, where I cover stories that have to do, you know, security issues or that have to do with some of the real heroes on planet Earth. And yes, Mr. Bill Gates, hackers are heroes and Edward Snowden is a hero. Uh, Bill Gates recently, I think it was at South by Southwest, he made the claim or at some Microsoft convention, whatever, he made the claim that Edward Snowden uh, broke the law and so he's not a hero. Okay, I don't even think I have to go any further with that. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of lawbreakers or lawmakers, perhaps, uh, we have a, a terribly, I mean, this is just a really, really disturbing story. Uh, I, I can't, I just, I'm in awe. I can't believe this happened. I have so much empathy. I feel so terrible for the people that this story I'm about to, about, uh, about to talk about happened to. Um, and the story is from Al Jazeera which is one of my favorite, if not my favorite news source uh, on, you know, in, in the world, really. I, I love Al Jazeera. Uh, actually, they, the Al Jazeera just came out with a, an Al Jazeera America app for Android and iOS. It's beautiful. It blows away any, any you know, mainstream media uh, news source by a long shot. But anyway, I really, I, I feel so bad for the people that this article is about. Um, and it is a very serious security issue. And, uh yeah, um, U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein, uh, Feinstein said that the CIA has searched Senate computers. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. oh, I can't believe they did that. Oh, it's so terrible. Oh, they searched the CIA computers. Oh, God. Oh, oh. Okay, obviously I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I... I <laughs> Let's read this story. Um, a senior U.S. senator has accused the CIA of criminal activity in improperly searching a computer network set up for lawmakers investigating allegations of torture. Democrat Dianne Feinstein, uh, Feinstein, an extraordinary speech on the Senate floor on Tuesday, publicly aired an intense but formerly quiet dispute between Congress and the spy agency. The criticism by Feinstein is particularly biting because she has been one of the main defenders of intelligent agencies at a time when they have been sharply criticized at home and abroad following revelations about mass surveillance programs. CIA Director John Brennan asked about Feinstein's accusations, said the agency was not trying to stop the committee's report and that it had not hacked into Senate computers, the Associated Press reported. He said the appropriate authorities would look at the matter further, and I defer to them to determine whether or not there was any violation of law or principle. All right, I, I, I can read the rest of this. But like, does anyone else see how ridiculous this is? In particular, Diane Feinstein totally was like, no, the NSA has to search, you know, the, the average American's computer. We have to do this. We have to do this. But, oh, no, you turn that, you know, you point that gun at the Senate 
at the U.S. Senate. And, oh, boy. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. What? The egregious double standard here. I mean, it's disgusting. It's so disgusting. You can spy on the subjects, but don't look at the Lord's. You know, that that no one else is freaking out about this or that no one else thinks that this woman is a joke for complaining about her computers getting searched, you know, but saying that yours has to. Ooh, I'll read on millions of documents. The CIA provided computers to congressional staffers in a secure room in Northern Virginia in 2009. So the panel could review millions of pages of top secret documents in the course of its investigation into the CIA's detentions and interrogations conducted during the Bush administration. At issue now is whether the CIA violated an agreement made with the Senate intelligence committee about monitoring the panel's use of CIA computers. Feinstein said the Senate staff members had an electronic search tool to deal with 6.2 million pages of documents and the ability to make copies on their computers. She said the arrangement suffered a blow when CIA personnel electronically removed the committee's access to documents that had already been provided to the panel. She said about 870 documents were removed in February 2010 and an additional 50 were withdrawn without the knowledge of the committee. Feinstein said the CIA searched the computer network in January and she had pressed Brennan about the agency's actions and the legal basis for its search. She said she had not received any answers despite letters sent on January 17th and January 23rd. Feinstein said the CIA search covered documents as well as the standalone and walled off committee network drive containing the committee's own internal work product and communications. Feinstein said the CIA's inspector general, David Buckley has referred the matter to the justice department, given the possibility of a criminal violation by CIA personnel in further evidence of the escalating fight. Feinstein said that the inspector general's referral, the acting counsel, of the CIA filed a criminal report with the justice department regarding the committee's staff's actions. Feinstein defended the staff as professionals with appropriate security clearances. I view the acting counsel general's referral as a potential effort to intimidate this staff. And I am not taking it lightly. She said, yeah, they, they will not, (laughs) we won't stand for this. You can look at everybody else on planet earth, but you can't look at us. Uh, the president has great confidence in John Brennan and confidence in our intelligence community and in our professionals at the CIA white house spokesman, Jay Carney told a news briefing. Okay, I mean, the moral of the story, again, is absolutely obvious. Uh, Who watches The Watchmen? And yeah, uh, okay, so (laughs) Um, this is something actually that my co-host on Free Talk Live, Mark Edge, has brought up many times, is that when you have these security agencies, and most of them do fall under somewhat of an umbrella, uh, especially more so since the Bush administration, well and more well into the Obama administration, you know, when, when these people can look into what essentially what, you know, what, what the Senate does or what the lawmakers do, uh, they can control the lawmakers. Okay. Now, granted, this is saying that they specifically were looking at computers provided by the CIA with the documents that, that, that they wanted, uh, you know, that the Senate wanted, um, and that those were the computers that were, you know, 
uh, that that action was was taken against. But there was independent work being done by the Senate on those computers given by the CIA that was to help determine whether or not torture was, you know, you know, what to what level torture was being used by the CIA or by other groups. But, you know, by by the military, by whoever, whatever alphabet soup, take your pick by the government. We should really just say that by the government. It's all one animal. Um you know, some of these documents were taken away. Some of this work was erased uh, and and it was they were being spied upon and what they were writing down, all this stuff. And so the CIA had plenty of time probably to react to any problems that were looked into. And now they're setting up a committee to look into what the CIA did. And it's committee, 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 and nothing gets done. Uh, and it's all it's all just such nonsense. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> a part of me doesn't know what's real. Like, is Diane Feinstein actually concerned you know or to what degree is the smoke and mirrors god i don't know <laughs> it it's it's such a mess um and this is the hard part let's say diane feinstein was like really concerned about this and that this was a serious issue um the way that the cia nsa you know are are designed legally designed in their framework okay you have to yes they have to answer your questions Okay. Or they at least have to say, look, we got to talk about it somewhere private. Okay. We can't do it in front of cameras, but yes, they have to answer your questions. The problem there is that you have to know what questions to ask them. This is the, how the, this is how this whole legal frame framework works and it's disturbing. Okay. And it, and it's really like they could get away with anything because if you don't know that they're doing it and you never ask them the question, they won't, they don't have to answer it. They don't have to answer for what they did. Okay. So the, again, this merely, this, this far more points out the fact that, you know, people say, Oh, well there's checks and balances and the Senate won't let the NSA get away with the stuff or the president won't let the NSA and the CIA and the FBI and whoever else get away with all this stuff. But they can't stop what they don't know exists. And there's no mandate for the CIA to tell you. There's no mandate for the NSA to tell you what they're doing. There's only a mandate for them to answer your questions. This is a very serious problem. And it's not new. This has been in the charter for these organizations since the beginning. Since they were devised. Okay. That's a real problem. And not a lot of people know this stuff. So, you know, I mean, I don't know, you know, do I feel bad for, for, for Diane Feinstein? No, I, I, you know, I, I really, I don't. It brings up an interesting question. I mean, in that it actually raises, it poses the theory. Now, I mean, myself, I don't want government at all. I don't want any kind of government. I don't think they're necessary. Okay. People disagree with me, even in the Liberty movement. That's fine. All right. But it raises the point that government, not you know, a lot of people like David Brin, he wrote a really popular book. Uh, I want to say it was in the late eighties, maybe 88 called the transparent society, where he talked about that. Everything has to be transparent. You cannot have, you can have groups with resources like the CIA and the NSA, but they can't be secretive in and of themselves. 
And so like everything has to be transparent. This to me raises the case for that. Like if you want government, you know, if you're pushing for government, okay, if you're one of those liberty minded people that, that still believes that we need a small government or something like that, you better be pushing for transparency everywhere, especially in the government. Okay. I think, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if there might be a politician or two that listens to my show. Then here, I am giving you a recommendation. If you want people to trust you, you've got to have so much transparency. You might as well put on Google Glass and point it at yourself all day long. If you want any kind of believability or trust. But again, myself, I don't believe in the political system. So this is what happens inside of one. It's ridiculous. You got a civil war inside the U.S. government. I'll be back with more. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. Would you like to play a game? Game of the Week. It is time for Game of the Week, where I cover a game that maybe, you know, got, got looked over. Uh, you know, didn't uh, didn't cross everybody's radar. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, I like to do that because there's so many games that, especially, boy, like, I mean, now there's only specific games really that I play, um, but years ago, I mean, I just, I played, it seems like I played games almost nonstop, uh, and there's so many that I think a lot of people just didn't have the time uh, to really, you know, to, to, to try out, and so I'm more than happy, uh, you know, to mention some of those, or I still get to play some new ones, and this is a somewhat newer game, uh, might be a couple years old, but it still gets updated decently regularly, uh, and it's for Android. And like I said, Android is kind of the up and coming platform, right? Uh, and this is a really, really clever game. This is kind of a, what they call a bullet hell shooter. Uh, and, or, you know, it's had a few different, the, these, you know, it, it's, uh, 1943. I don't know if you ever played 1943 where it's looking, you know, it's a top down scrolling shooter. Uh, and you know, you're, you're usually like, you're an airplane or a space fighter of some kind, kind of like Galaga, but everything just keeps coming at you more in real time, not in waves per se. Uh, and, and it's called Zalorians and it's a space shooter and it's a ton of fun, totally independent game. It's far as I know, it's only for Android. Uh, and it's very clever and it actually, here's the thing is a lot of these top down shooters, uh, like Raiden legacy, uh, there's a few that have come out for, you know, for, for Android, for smartphones and tablets, uh, smartphones more so since tablets are a slightly more new phenomenon and they don't really, they're just porting like an arcade game onto the phone and that's okay. I'm glad they do. And I grab them when they come out cause I love them. Um, and, and with like tablets they are a lot easier to play too anyway, but this is Zalorians is one of those games and it's X E L O R I A N S. It's one of those games that 
like actually put thought into the fact that it's going to be played on a touch screen, that it's going to be played on a small screen, like on a, on a smartphone. And so like one of the unique things about it, I mean, you know, it has all the usual, you know, shooter, you know, top down scrolling shooter, uh, you know, elements to it. You know, it has power ups. You can get shields, different weaponries, you know, like autumn, you know, like, uh, you know, heat seeking missiles, all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? All that's in there. Uh, but it has some really clever things to where, it has time distortion, which that's pretty cool. I haven't seen that in a whole lot of scrolling shooters. Uh, so it has a lot of unique elements, kind of like Ikaruga I- had a lot of unique elements in it, too. In fact, Ikaruga just came out for Steam. Boy, go grab that if you've never played that. Uh, awesome, awesome game uh, as far as scrolling shooters go. Anyway, uh, so Zalorian's here's one of the neatest features that it has, is that when you remove your thumb. Okay, because your thumb, you're holding the your smartphone in one hand, and so your thumb would be the main, you know, that that's your input device, that's what you're using, okay, to you know to to control it. When you remove your thumb, the game freezes. Like you know, the the, the screen darkens and the game freezes because it knows you're not playing. That is so cool, and I think it's a feature you can turn off. You can do different control schemes, and it works well with like uh, you know Nvidia Shield or the Moga Pro controller. So you can do that too if you know if you want a more traditional controlling device. But it actually works so well with your thumb, uh, and the ship actually your thumb really unless you like specifically really work at placing it over it. Your thumb doesn't cover the ship. That happens a lot to where you you actually you know especially me like I have a I have pretty. I have really big hands, and so my thumb uh, is pretty large, and it'll cover the ship a lot of times. The game actually makes makes sure that the ship is not where your thumb is, uh, so that you can see it at all times and see what you're doing. So a lot of thought went into this as far as the fact that yes, it's going to be done on touchscreen, and and it's a lot of fun, and it's actually got a, it's got a, you know a modicum of story to it. Uh, so they went all out with developing this. Uh, they did update it. A lot of games for Android have not been updated to where they work within Google play games, which is an achievement system and a way to like easy way to set up multiplayer and to save your, your game states and all that stuff. Uh, they did, I think back in September, 2013, they did do an update where they allowed it to play within Google play games and, uh, and it, you know, so it, it saves your game in the cloud automatically and it allows for uh for achievements if you're into achievements i'm not much of an achievement guy but uh they're there so if you want to play a really cheap i think the game's like a buck uh if you want to play just a great uh top-down scrolling shooter this is probably the best one uh on on any any mobile device uh it, it really again really really well thought out and the music i didn't mention i didn't even mention that the music is awesome Really, really cool music. It gets you, gets you really fired up for playing. So I'll be back with more. Zalorians for Android. Check it out. Do you have a business or product that you are interested in getting advertised to a largely U.S.-based audience on an award-winning podcast and radio show airing on hundreds of radio stations? Let Free Talk Live be a part of your advertising portfolio because the world of audio never fades. Contact me, Brian Sovereign, and I can get an advertising package that will work within your budget. Email me at brian at freetalklive.com. And that's Brian with an I. Again, brian at freetalklive.com. What are you doing? I can't believe I caught you again. You know, Jesus doesn't approve of this little habit of yours. I know, baby, I know it's wrong, but it feels so right. Well, it ain't. 
but I've been doing it since I was 12 years old. It's nothing but a sinful perversion of nature, if you ask me. But baby, I don't ever want to stop looking at tech websites, new gadgets, video games, software, or any of that stuff. Well, then I'm leaving. Okay. Bye. Pick of the week. It is time for Pick of the Week, where I generally just geek out. And this week I'm going to geek out. And usually, you know, it's where I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. Sometimes it's a topic. Sometimes it's a movie, a book, a comic, uh, a television show, you know, a product. It can be anything. Um, and this week I was actually, I'll give you a tease because I'm going to talk about it next week. Uh, unless something really crazy comes up. I was going to talk about my manhood and I don't mean, <laughs> I don't mean like as in some kind of like ethereal thing, like it's like, Oh, you've, you've uh, you know, you've insulted my manhood. I'm talking about a physical product called the manhood. I was going to talk about that. I'll talk about it next week though. This week I want to geek out cause I, I don't know. It feels like maybe it's been a little bit since I've done that. Of course, my perception of time with recording sovereign tech episodes has been a little skewed since I've been going to so many conferences. Speaking of which, I hope you catch it. There is a release this weekend with this episode. You're getting a double load. You're, you, even though I'm still, I'm not going away. You're getting a double load. You're going to get uh, an episode where the lovely and hyper intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy and I talk about our experience at the Texas Bitcoin Conference, as well as it will have attached to it my talk. Is Bitcoin more real than gold? Uh, will be there as well, along with. Um, they actually cut part of it out where I insulted and pretty much said that Bitcoin's largest problem is the, the Bitcoin foundation. And that was cut out from the video. You can catch the video. Uh, it's on my Google plus page. You can find it there. Uh, I, I shared it on Twitter too. I shared it everywhere. So you can, you can find that if you really want to watch me in action. Um, but, but I do, we'll have the audio of that with the cutout parts, the parts that the Texas Bitcoin foundation cut out. Um, you, you can find that on Sovereign Tech, and, and so it'll be a great episode. Last time we went to a conference and we did a response episode of Sovereign Tech to it, it got great reviews, so I wanted to make sure that, that we make that a, you know, a staple of Sovereign Tech. Anyway, I'm going to geek out now. Enough of that stuff. I want to talk about one of my favorite television shows, one of my favorite movie series. I'm gonna, this is going to be a very overarching talk about a franchise Okay. And maybe in the future, I'll talk about more specific parts of this franchise, but what it is, is Highlander. Oh yeah, baby. (laughs) One of the best of the best. It is so tough. It really is, especially in the nineties when you had so much great material, uh, so much rare material, but the material that was coming out was so great. It's really tough to say, like, what's your favorite TV show? What's your favorite, uh, you know, franchise or series or something? It's, it is, it's, it's difficult because I mean, in the nineties, you had Babylon five, uh, you had super force, you had, Ooh, super force. So oh, email me if you know about that one, baby. Uh, you had, um, you know, Highlander, uh, you had a whole slew of, of things, you know, and Star Trek was at its absolute heights in the nineties. I mean, there's just so much great stuff, you know, going on. Uh, but so it's tough to pick like what the greatest one is. I I still say Babylon five is the greatest show in television history, uh, for so many reasons, just the, the, the art of it, the, you know, the way it's presentation style, everything about it was just top notch, but boy, Highlander was a big deal, big enough deal that in my first couple of years, 
in high school, I was wearing a trench coat. Okay. It was a nice trench coat. It wasn't one of these like Columbine shooter kind of trench coats. It was a really high end trench coat that I actually got in Berlin. Um, and I mean, <laughs> and I wore it because, and I, and I grew an obsession with swords all because of Highlander. Now, what is Highlander? Uh, Highlander, it was originally a movie, kind of a, what they call a cult classic. Uh, it was a movie came out in, I want to say 85, no, 86. I think it was 86. It came out starring Christopher Lambert, uh, or Christopher Lambert, depending how you want to pronounce that. Um, and it's about immortals. They're kind of like vampires, but they don't suck blood. Um, but they're immortals. You know, no one knows how they started, where they kind of came from, even though there were movies later on that tried to explore that and they were kind of rough. Uh, but you have these immortals going, you know, living through, living for, you know, they live forever unless you take, you cut off their head. And if you cut off an immortal's head, you get what's called their quickening, which is essentially their soul and like kind of their power. Um, so, and there's this, there's this thing going on where it's called the gathering, where there's this, like, there's this pull for other immortals to essentially fight each other to the death so that in the end, there can be only one immortal left. Um, and that immortal will end up ruling the world. Uh, so pretty far out like ideas and, and it's, it's actually kind of tough to describe. Uh, so if you want to hit up the Wikipedia page for, for a better description of it, uh, you might want to do that, but they're kind of, like I say, they're like vampires, except they don't have all the wild powers. Um, and they don't, uh, you know, they, they don't suck blood. They don't kill other humans. They obviously, they kill other immortals. Um, but anyway, it's an awesome series, very romantic. It covers a lot of history. Like they'll do flashbacks a lot where the character, the immortal that they're covering at the time uh, will think back to when, say, they've met, first met the immortal they're encountering during the movie or during the television show. Uh, and so you'll get a lot of history in it, which that really appealed to me growing up. I love history. Uh, in fact, big secret. I'm actually a historian. I just use this tech stuff to talk to you about it. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, it, it's tremendous. It really, there's nothing quite like it. There really has been nothing quite like it before or since. Because um, it allowed for incredible perspectives and they got to cover a lot of morality of doing things throughout history. And they got to experience like, uh, you know, you get to encounter a lot of historical figures through it. Uh, kind of like what young Indiana Jones Chronicles tried to do. But uh, it really, it couldn't pull it off as well as Highlander. And then there's, you know, kind of, I guess, the romanticism, if you feel there is such a thing, uh, you know, for sword fighting and all this stuff. Uh, and it's just, it, it's tremendous. Um, and it was a big deal. In fact, at the time, in the 90s, the television show, it's, it's important to bring out because there's, there's like six or seven movies. There, there's a lot of movies for this. There's the original one. There's like the original trilogy that has, and, and boy, there's a lot to talk about with like the second one, but there's the original trilogy that has to do with the character of Connor McLeod played by Christopher Lambert. Uh, and so there's Highlander, which came out in 86. Then there's Highlander two, which came out in 91. And then there was another one in 94 called Highlander three, the, the final dimension or the sorcerers had a couple different names. Uh, and like Highlander two is actually notorious because they changed the entire Highlander story to where they said that they were aliens from like another planet. Uh, but then Highlander became so popular that the actual producers of the Highlander series were able to, they, they, you know, they were funded to go and redo. They, this was really unique and it's worth watching. 
they compl- they recut and like did some CGI work. And this is all, this was in the nineties that they did this. Um, they, they retouched a lot of things and re-edited to where Highlander two, they got rid of all the alien stuff and they just like, you know, they, they, they kind of, they made it fit into the Highlander mythos into the, you know, the overall Highlander mythology. Uh, and they did a great job and it's really clever to see because now I think it'd be easy to do with CGI, but back then very, very difficult to do. Um, and so, so that's interesting to look at, but then the really big thing about Highlander wasn't so much the movie, but the television show, which went on for like six years. Uh, and I, the show started, oh boy, when, when did that it, like 92, 94, uh, yeah, no, 92 It was the 92 that it started, went to like 1998 and it was huge. It was actually, I think next to Baywatch, which a lot of people don't realize that the Baywatch was the number one show in the world in the nineties. Uh, you know, in America, people make fun of it, but of course there's, you know, 6 billion other people on the planet. Uh, it was the number one show in the world. And in fact, Highlander was the number two show in the entire world. Uh, I mean, it was that big, it was a big big deal. Uh, and it was so cool. Like I said, there was a lot of, um, you know, it was a really classy show because, you know, these, these immortals have been around for a while. So a lot of them were pretty wealthy guys. Uh, and there was, uh, you know, the, the sword fighting part of it was really cool. And just, you know, melding in the history. Uh, there was even a, a show that, that kind of had like a Rasputin type character, which was pretty interesting. If you know the story about Rasputin, uh, you know, there, there tons of stuff. It, it really, there's, there's nothing else quite like it. And there was a, there was even a cartoon series that took place in the future. Uh, there was other movie, there was an anime, uh, made that was search for vengeance. I think it was called, that was really, really well done. Huge franchise. Then there was a movie called the source. Uh, that the sci-fi channel made in 2007. That was a little rough, uh, but it had, it all, it did have the original, the character from the TV show, which wasn't Connor McLeod, but it was actually uh, Duncan McLeod played by Adrian Paul, real sexy guy. I mean, just a beautiful man. And yeah, you know, and they did a, you know, even years later, even the show was big enough to where they got a full theatrical release for a fourth movie that uh, called Endgame that had Connor McLeod and Duncan McLeod in it. Uh, and Christopher Lambert, you know, a lot of people, maybe in America, they remember him as Raiden or they will remember him from like Fortress or something, but he was a, he's still a, like a big deal. Like, like he's, you know, he's a big deal actor in the rest of the world. And, and a lot of people don't, you know, don't recognize that. Uh, and he actually was in the first episode of the television series playing Connor McLeod, uh, which was unheard of at the time. You know, I mean, that that's really that's that's not unlike, uh, you know, George Clooney showing up on a television show again or something. You know, it, it's it's a, it's a, it's really a really big deal. So anyway, Highlander, a lot to love, a lot to watch. There's a ton of Highlander out there. If you can get a good torrent of it, you know, find it, download it. It's going to be over 100 gig no matter what you do. Uh, but very enjoyable. But it was, it was pretty inspirational, uh, you know, to me, uh, especially there's there's a character in it that I, uh, would relate to a lot more later on in my life. Um, in that his name was mythos. That, that's the name of the character. And he is a, he's the oldest immortal alive. He's like 5,000 years old in the television show. Uh, and he actually, he becomes a very peaceful person. He, he says, 
he, you know, he puts down, he, he pretty much puts down his sword. And actually at one point he was one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You know, he was like he, his, in, you know, in, in a past life, you know, that that's, that's where that, that, that kind of mythology came from, according to the Highlander series. And he gets to a point where he just becomes totally peaceful, doesn't want to kill anybody. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's a tremendous character to, to talk about. And uh, was actually became a pretty inspirational character later on uh, in my life when uh, I, I kind of came to a similar conclusion that I think you can end up, you know, hurting so many people that, that you don't want to do it anymore. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so, you know, television could really be a relatable thing. Like, I mean, you know, my parents were, were atrocious and so television kind of helped raise me a lot. And uh, Highlander was one of those shows that, you know, <laughs> that helped raise me. And so if you haven't seen Highlander, I highly, highly recommend it. There's a lot to catch. At least watch the original movie. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's pure 80s cheese. The, the soundtrack is done by Queen, has a great opening theme song uh, called Princes of the Universe. Phenomenal stuff. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the show is, you, you'll get hooked. It, it's a great television. I don't know if it's available on Netflix, because I don't, I don't really bother with Netflix. Um, but if it is, go for it. Have a great time. There's even comic books out there. Uh, Dynamite did, uh, did a couple comic book series. Phenomenal stuff. Anyway, Carpe Luchum. If you want to help the show, don't forget, we accept Nextcoin, BitShares, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Namecoin, you name it, and PayPal. You can donate to the show. I'll catch you next this week. This has been Sovereign Tech. Visit us at SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N tech.com. There you can connect with us, see more of what you've heard on today's show, and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is open source. We encourage you to share. Later, nerds. <laughs>